in, in the light of that, I really want to encourage you to, to keep connecting with the Tuesday night, Thursday night Bible studies. If, you, if you've not been connecting, I want to encourage you to start connecting. If you haven't been connecting for a couple of weeks, then, then, then get back on there. Thirdly, do not waste time trying to plan or reason what tomorrow looks like. I'm going to come on to that in my preach. Number four, trust him and know he is faithful. Again, I'm going to come on to that in the preach. Number five, be available to do what he asks. Number six, show his love. And I think this is a really important one, and this is kind of where I'm going to be going this morning. Fear God, not fear what is happening. And we've talked a bit, you know, in previous weeks about the fear of the Lord and and, and, and what that really means. And we've done a couple of Bible studies on that on Tuesday. If you haven't seen those, you can find them on our YouTube channel, uh, Faith Life Media. You can go on our website, listen to the preach again. Uh, but I want to encourage you now to, to start to think about around this title that I've given this morning, which is How Not to Worry. And whenever you see a title like that, like How Not to Worry, my, my response whenever I see something like that is that would be great, perhaps they know something I don't, but how can you not worry? How can you not worry? I mean, it's, it's just not that straightforward, is it? You know, it, it would be easy to throw out platitudes and, and little uh, catchphrases, but it's not that easy to not worry. You see, what we have, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my mum okay so my mum she she's 95 she lives in kendall uh, she lives in 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 a house she's housebound she doesn't she doesn't go out she has carers come in and look after her and yet one of the things that i i recall my mum talking a lot about and, and my dad before he died was what it was like to live in the war in this that's the second world war and although they've got lots of memories of, of that one of the things that they never said was that we were worried, we were anxious. Now, it seems to me that that, that that was a really scary time, and yet people managed to come through that and come out the other side. And I'm thinking, well, we're not living in anything like that now. Now, here's the thing. When I started looking at this topic and started researching this, the, the truth is that... The, People generally are now much more anxious and much more worried and much more stressed than they ever were during the Second World War, which I think is absolutely astonishing. And, you know, one of the things that I believe that we've got into, and we've got into is the body of Christ as well, is that we have normalised worry. That's normalised worry. That it's only natural, we, we think... And we hear people say, well, it's only natural to be anxious. It's only natural to worry. It's only natural to worry about unpaid bills. It's only natural to be anxious and, and concerned about our health. It's only natural to be stressed and worried about our job. And we have this idea that it's only natural. And we've started to really believe that within the body of Christ. Now, it's true for an unbeliever. But for us, it's not normal to worry. We have a new creation and we have a saviour who loves us and cares us for us and has said that he is our healer, he is our protector, he is our provider, he is our deliverer. 
And so it's not natural for, for the church to be worried. It's not natural for us to be anxious. And yet we find ourselves worried and anxious. And, you know, I, I just want to read you some of the things that I, I found astonishing when I was looking at this topic. I, I'll, I'll read them. I've got them in down here because they, they're taken from, like, scientific articles and, and, and so on. So there's an article in Psychology Today, and, and the, it's titled, Is There an Anxiety Epidemic? So apparently one in five people in this is one in five people in the UK suffer high levels of anxiety regularly. One in nine people worldwide will ex experience a severe anxiety disorder in any one year. And apparently anxiety, worry is and, and so on is preventing us from working, learning or performing our social and family responsibilities are full potential. And they estimate that over one-third of all work-related ill health is a result of anxiety. And apparently that costs the economy in the UK 100 billion per year. And this is, this is the one that shocked me. Anxiety kills. Apparently even subclinical levels of anxiety can increase the risk of mortality by 20%. And I was thinking, well, why is this? Why is it that a, a, a previous generation of, of, you know, a few decades ago can go through a war and yet we are, are almost like frozen in this, this area of worry? And one of the things that, that is really uh, obvious when you, you start studying this is it's because we live differently in terms of the way we relate to each other and the way we relate to God. You know, life used to be a lot more personal than it is now. And, you know, one of the, the big concert causes of anxiety and stress and concern and worry is the fact, it, it is when social interactions break down or become more remote. So what we managed to do is create a society or create a world in which we have broken social interaction and relationship and made it more remote. And that is kind of feeding through into this anxiety cycle. We, we've, we've created something that feeds the worry monitor in ourselves. You know, I'm sure you, you understand that modern technology has provided so many ways that we can receive anxiety from others. Um, you know, there's like a 24-hour perpetual connectivity. I think one of the hardest things... That, that happened to me in my career and the one I struggled with a lot was the fact that at some point we went from being able to go on holiday and not look at our emails and not receive any texts or anything to do with work and then I remember one year it came in that as a, as a partner in the, fir the, the accounting firm I was in we were expected to have our phones on all the time and to check our emails on a daily basis even when we were on holiday. And so it, that began this time of everything coming into our lives and uh, affecting our lives. And, you know, you know we've we, we, we gone beyond that. Very soon, you know, every appliance in our house is going to be connected to the internet. And we'll start to worry about, uh, you know, data hacking and identity theft and phishing and grooming and trolling and everything we, we are letting so many things into our lives. And, you know, even 
daily transactions now seem so hard. I, I, don't, I don't ever remember stuff being so difficult, you know, when I was growing up. Now, if I want to do anything, if I want to talk to an insurance company, if I want to talk to uh, my bank, if I want to talk to even just order something online, I have to sit there for minutes and tens of minutes and sometimes an hour before I actually get to speak to anybody and then that person is in some remote location in another part of the world. And so life is, we've invited a lot of this, this stress in because we have broken relationships. Relationship, you know, for, for my children's generation and your children's generation, I guess, they, they look differently. And, um, well, let, let me just quote you something again, again from, from Psychology Today. Social media use is associated with social anxiety and loneliness. Generates feelings of disconnectedness when we view what seems like the rich lives and social successes of others. A consequence of social media use is that our youngsters count their success in terms of metrics such as the number of friends they have on sites like Facebook and not the number of genuine confidence, confidants that they actually have. And so we've created a worry society and we've normalised worry as part of that. It's only natural to worry. It's not natural to worry for a Christian. And so we need to try and understand how we get a grip of this in our modern life. Particularly right at this moment, when as a result of COVID-19 and, and all the rest of it, we can't meet. And that, that for some is amplifying the situation we find ourselves in. And we need, we need to find ways of meeting. We need to find ways of connecting. If you, don't, if you connect to the Bible studies, even for no other reason than to look after your mental health and your social health, you should do it because it's so important we connect with real people and, and that's why you know as a church we've been emphasizing this point about staying connected not just watch it on your own in isolation dabbing in and out in five minute bursts during the week that doesn't work that 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 doesn't help us with this connectedness that helps relieve this this worry and anxiety that the rest of the world is bringing on to us so, I want to get onto the word now. So, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resisting, steadfast in faith, knowing the same sufferings you, you have experienced by your brothers in the world. Okay, so here's something that, that, that is true, but sometimes comes across as really unhelpful. So I'll say it out front, and then I'll say tell you what my problem is. Here. According to God, worry is actually a sin. Because anything that is not faith is sin. So worry, which is the or fear or anxiety, which is the opposite of faith, is actually a sin. Now, saying that doesn't actually help me. It just identifies the problem. And it actually makes me feel, oh, blimey. You know, how, how, how can I 
how can I get that? It's bad enough being anxious and worried without Mark telling me it's a sin. And, and I feel the same. And, you know, when I read that and when I think about it, I feel the same. But it doesn't change the truth that that's a fact. You know, it, it is the truth. But when we dig into this, we, we start to understand why God is so concerned about us being worried and anxious. You know, you look at those statistics and those things that I was talking about, and you can really understand why God would be concerned that his children find, himself, find themselves in this place. And so we have this word, um, casting your care upon him. You know, most of the time we do, we find ourselves anxious about things, don't we? But, you know, when, when God... Uh, talks about it, he talks about us casting our cares on him. Now that word cares is a Greek word, marina. And what's really interesting about that is, you know, we can gloss over th some things when we read the word without really thinking about it. That, that word means to fracture into pieces. So it's translated cares here, but what he's talking about is a sort of anxiety and worries where there's one thing and then another thing and another thing and then something else pops up and and, and people are inviting us to share their worries and their concerns and, it, and it's all popular and, and we can't put it together so we have all this fractured life around us that just however much we try to fix it doesn't seem to work that and that's what that's what the the Apostle Peter is talking about here, he's saying all these things that you are taking on, all these things that you're concerned about, all your bills, your health, your friends, your relationships, the things that are going on, the, the car that's you know not working properly, all these things, it's producing a fracturing effect inside of you. And it's not God's will that we carry that sort of worry. It's not God's will that we carry that sort of anxiety because he knows it's harmful for us. And so he tells us to do this, he, he tells us to cast our cares on him. Now that word cast, it, it, it's kind of used in, in the literature of that time, but it, it's also, you know, you, you need to understand what he's saying here, because it was, a, it was actually a particular technical term that the people of that time would have understood but kind of defeats us because we don't live like this anymore. But the idea was that if you were if you were travelling along or going somewhere about your business, about your life, and you were carrying a big heavy load that, that was kind of and, and the further you went the heavier it got and it was it was crushing you down, it was pushing you down, it was painful, it was chafing you, that you would take that load off and put it onto a beast of burden to carry it instead. So that's what that word cast means. It means to take off this crushing weight that's on you, that all those worries, all those anxieties, all those burdens, and put it onto something that was more capable of carrying it. So what, what Peter's trying to get to us is here, is to take off the weight of stuff in our life and put it on Jesus. Put it on Jesus, because what, what he's saying is that, you know, he is more capable, he is more able, he's got bigger shoulders and stronger arms 
and a, and a bigger heart than we ever will have. And he is there willing and ready to carry these things for us. Now, here's what is really important. Sometimes we, we come out with bland little soundbites. God isn't saying there's nothing to worry about. We live in a fallen, horrible world, surrounded by evil, surrounded by darkness that is growing, and we, when we live in the midst of that, where things just go wrong, and sometimes we cause them to go wrong ourselves, but we live in that sort of world. And Jesus isn't saying there's nothing to worry about. What he's saying is you're not made to carry it yourself. As a believer, I want you to put your cares on me. Because I promise that I'm your healer, I'm your deliverer, I'm your provider, I'm your protector, I'm in this with you, I'm walking alongside you in this, a bit like that beast of burden, and I'm strong enough and I can take this. So I'm encouraging you to put that stuff onto me and to leave it there on my shoulders. And, and it says, because, why? Because he cares for you. That, that, that word... Um, cares there it means he to pay attention to be an object of concern to fret over and right now I, I know that sounds a funny word but right now Jesus is fretting over us he's fretting over us and saying please let me carry this weight on my shoulders and, and it's bothering him that we're holding on to it and we're trying to fix it we're trying to solve it we're trying to get through it and he wants us to put it over onto his shoulders. And you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this this week, and, um, and last week I taught a little devotional about it to, to another group of people. And I was thinking, well, you know, the big challenge, the, the thing that's bothering me right now is where do we go as a church in the midst of all this? How do we get out of this lockdown? How do we ever meet again? What does it look like? Where do we meet? How, how do we... Uh, walk in faith in that how do we hear God in that how do we move forward and, and as, a, as a leader you know that kind of thing weighs me down it, it kind of stuff that I get anxious about some stuff that I worry about I'm, I'm like sitting there trying to figure it out trying to work it out and here's the problem as leaders we take it upon ourselves to be responsible and that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be responsible. But that understanding that the responsibility comes down to us is also a source of worry and concern. And so Jesus is saying, I want to take that worry and concern and I want to lead you and walk alongside you in this. And so, you know, that's why I, I went back to that, that prophetic word that Jesus is saying he's going to take us one step at a time and that not to get ahead of him, but not to fall behind him either. And so we, we need to work through this and see exactly what God is saying. Otherwise, we'll just end up with the conclusion that is, di is driven by our own individual worries, our own individual fears, our own exposure to all the, the, the fear and anxiety in the media and we'll we'll all end up at a conclusion that we can't do anything and and that's just simply not true god wants us 
to be reaching people, healing people, setting people free, and we have to find a way of doing that. And so, you know, it comes back to two other things. Let me, God just brought this to mind. That like, this, this is another verse that I have a real problem with because I find it hard to, I find it easy to read but hard to live it. So, you know, it's, it's Jesus talking the Sermon on the Mount. What he says is this, therefore, this is uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. You don't need to turn to it. Can if you want, check me out. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what we'll put on, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. And then we go down to verse 31 and he says it again. Like, okay, Jesus, you're getting, getting it through to me. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And then again, verse 34. Three times he says this because he wants to emphasise it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's he saying now? Well, let me take you back to the idea behind that prophecy. He's saying, live one day at a time. And, and, and we have to start to understand that that's how we have to approach the future. Living one day at a time. You see, when, when we do that, that isn't being irresponsible about the future. But when we worry about tomorrow, it steals our energy and anointing to succeed today. When we worry about tomorrow, it steals our energy and anointing to succeed and overcome today. If our focus is on today, we will be stronger for tomorrow because we'll have seen some victories today. That's, that's kind of how this works. And so the question is, how do you do this? How, how, do we, how do we press into this? How do we push into this? Well, let's just take a little detour. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Again, you know, this is Paul being imitated. So we've had Peter being imitating. We've had Jesus being imitating. They're trying to get something to us that worry and anxiety is not the normal way for a believer and we have to learn to put the weight onto Jesus that's what faith is walking with Jesus that's how we live that's how we call to live we can no longer afford to just drift through with things we can no longer afford just to store everything up try and solve it ourselves and worry and be anxious so it says here be anxious for nothing so it's Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's just, just break that down. The first thing, you know, what, what he's saying here is, this is how you get liberated from worry. And I'm not talking some like popular self-help, I'm talking what God advises us to get free from worry, to be liberated from worry. And, and the first thing he says is, be anxious for nothing. He means that, do not give your care to. Do not let this trouble you. Do not let yourselves be disturbed by what? Absolutely anything. 
the trouble is, again, we ask this question, but how do I do that, Jesus? How do, how do I not let anything trouble me? How do I obey what you just told me to do? And this is what he says. Um, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Lean on Jesus. Lean on God. Let him take the weight of it. How do we do that? We do that by letting our requests, by prayer and supplication. So let, let's, let's just, let's, again, let's break that down. You know, what he says is that, um, uh, sorry, I've just lost my place. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be no, made known to God. Here's the point. Everything is God's concern. Everything. Now, there's a word used in, in that verse that talks about um, being made known to God. And what that, the, the implication of the, the words there is that God is concerned about every little detail of our lives. He says, make everything known to God. That word everything is panty, P-A-N-T-I. And, and, and what that means is every little detail, the most minuscule thing, you see, God is concerned not just about the big issues in our life, he's concerned about the little detail and the little detail, uh, little things as well. Every little detail, every minuscule thing, he wants to be involved in in our life. And yet we just swan along, go through life, go, say, oh, well, I can't do that, I'm just too busy. And we're cutting God out, and where do we end up? We end up at the end of the week, tired, worn down, worried, anxious, and we still can't solve the bill problem, solve the broken car problem, solve whatever other problem that we've expended all our energy on. And Jesus is said, God is really passionate about helping in all the little details, not just the big problems. He wants to be there in all the details of your life. And, and this is how, how we respond in prayer, prayer of supplication. What's a prayer of supplication? That's a really good religious, churchy sort of word, supplication, isn't it? Here's, here's what it means. It's a request for a specific need to be met. So one of those details is a request for a specific need to be met. And it was usually referring to something that was a material need or a physical need. God isn't just interested in our spiritual needs. He's interested in our physical needs too. And so a prayer of supplication would say, Father... I need you to do this to help me. That's a prayer of supplication. I need you to do this specific thing to help me at this time. This is the problem. I now put that on you and ask you to do that for me, to carry that for me, to show me the way through, to, to, to provide, to heal, to set free. So that's a prayer of supplication. And what that tells us is that when we're praying about these things, we don't pray generalities. You know, God, let your will be done. It's a wonderful, make, it, make the world all wonderful and make people nice like me. You know, that's not how prayer works. That's not how life works. That's just not real. What is real is, God, this is, a, this is too much for me. I've got no solution to this. I'm not even going to try and come up with a solution to this because I know you've got the answer. And, and I'm going to be really specific with you, God. I need that. And when you've done that, you don't back down. That word where it says requests, 
that, that in the Greek word, that request is to demand. It's not just a like, oh please, it's a demand. Uh, a demand to be adamant in requesting assistance to meet a tangible need. It's acting with a full expectation that you will receive and then demanding the answer. It carries also the idea of not wavering because you know that if you're adamant, you will see the answer. Not wavering because you know that if you're adamant and do not budge, you will see the answer because God delights in looking after his children. And when he says make known those requests, well, again he's saying be clear. So three times he's saying be, be specific, be adamant and be clear with God what you need. That's the way to stop worrying. Be clear, be adamant, uh, be specific about what you need. And then he says what? He says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's, what, what does that mean? The word peace there is order in place of chaos. It's an inner stability that results in an ability to conduct yourself calmly even in the midst of circumstances that are upsetting. So there is a supernatural impartation of peace, a supernatural peace that comes from our spirit that enables us to remain calm even when all around us is upsetting. And, and Paul is saying, and, and Jesus is saying through Paul, you've got to plug into that peace. If that peace is not there, that is a good sign of one, one or two things. Firstly, it's a good sign that you're walking by your flesh and not by your spirit. But secondly, if that, if that peace isn't there, that, that, um, that inner calm in the face of upsetting circumstances, he said you're not drawing on the provision that is already there in your spirit. And so it's a guard to our hearts to know that we are looking in the right place for the solution and for the answer to our need. You know, that, that word guard, it, it, it kind of had this picture. And what they, what they used to do is that the entrance to any city, you know when they had walled towns and walled cities, they used to have a, a, a door um, that, that you could enter through and it was shut at night and you couldn't get in without going past these two guards. And that, that's the idea here. It's two guards keeping watch at a city gate to make sure that, um, how, how can I put it, um, only the right things are admitted inside. So that peace is what we are looking for to make sure that in all that stuff that I talk about, all that, that society, all that, that normalisation of anxiety, that normalisation of worry, all those effects that we talked about in the society we live in, that we are, have a guard stood on our heart to make sure only what is supposed to go in is what gets admitted. So, let's go back to that, that passage we started with in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, because we should now be able to really understand and get the depth of what has been said there. And, and I'll kind of wrap things up, probably about five minutes to go. So, what he says, casting all your care upon him, 
for he cares for you. That's 1 Peter 5, verse 7 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Be sober. What, what's that about? Well, that's not actually a difficult one to get a picture of. Be sober means be sober. What happens if you're not sober? You're drunk. You're intoxicated. You're under the influence. And what, what this is saying is in order to be able to do that casting your cares on God, in order not to let the devil in, you need to be sober. And sober means you need to think straight. Not think like a silly drunk, going all over the place, falling all over the place, lurching from one thing to another in your life, falling flat on your face in the gutter and getting up again. That's not how you're meant to live your life. He's saying, think straight, not like a silly silly person. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're drunk, you don't think right and you don't talk right. So it's not just about what we're thinking in our heads, it's watching the stuff that we're talking about coming out of our mouths. Because what we talk about out of our mouth goes straight back in our ears and changes the way and influences the way we think. So we have to be careful not to just get hold of our thinking, but to get hold of what is coming out of our mouth, that, that we talk straight. And, you know, one of the things that happens with... You know, I think I've only experienced this twice in my life, but I remember like a rugby dinner where and I was probably only about 16 at the time, so it was very, very naughty. And I confess that all to you and, you know, all that sort of stuff, like good pastors do. But um, I, I got drunk. And, and what happened was that um, I started to see things that weren't really there. And, and that's, that's what happens when we let this anxiety and worry get a hold on us. We start to see stuff that's not even there. And then we worry about stuff that might never happen and probably will never happen. And then we start speculating and then start getting anxious again. So what he's saying is get a grip, stop that and be sober. Start to think clearly, draw on the Holy Spirit and be vigilant. What does it mean to be vigilant? That the idea of being vigilant is this. It means, how can, how can I say it? Okay, so not long after we got married, uh, we went on uh, honeymoon. No, it was Christmas. Christmas after we got married, so it's a while ago now. Not quite on the bob and dawn proportions, but we're working. We're, we're heading that way. And what, what happened? We went on away over Christmas, and we came back, and our house had been burgled. You know, it was just like we walked in the front door, there was stuff all over the hallway, uh, and it was this shock, and it was freezing cold in the house because the window had been smashed, and it, and it was a horrible, horrible moment. And so what he's saying here is being vigilant carries that. It's, it's making sure the door is bolted, the alarm is on, the, the sensors are all set, and making sure you're primed so that somebody who wants to get in can't get in. And, th and that's what it said, you know, when, when I, we sort of renew our insurance each week, they asked each 
sorry, each year, they ask us about all the locks on our windows and the locks on our doors and have we got an alarm and, you know, have we got a gate and all these sort of things. And that's what being vigilant's about. It, it's applying those same sort of things to our heart that we apply to our house and possessions. And so we want to be vigilant. Why? Because the enemy is going around and he wants to get in our affairs and he wants to steal and he wants to destroy and he wants to take from us. And if we, if we worry and are anxious and concerned and that's our normal lifestyle and we just accept it, that is the playground that he plays in. That's why God cares so much about this, that we let him take our worries, that we, we give him our specific needs, that we're clear, that we're adamant, that we trust him. You know, one of the things that somebody said when I was doing this in, in the devotional last week, they said this, they said, the, the, the really hard thing about the enemy is this, that the enemy asks us impossible questions and then condemns us because we don't have the answer. The enemy asks us impossible questions and then condemns us because we don't have the answer. So how do we recognise which is the enemy that leads us into worry and how do we recognise which is God? Let's just go to one final bit, back to that passage in Philippians we were looking at, Philippians chapter 4. And this is it. This is my last point. And it starts with this word, finally, brethren, finally, faith life, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of what? Peace will be with you. For us not to be anxious and worry needs some renewing of our mind. And that renewing of our mind will require us and need us to be intentional about focusing on these things. We need to train ourselves out of the worry the same way we were trained into the worry. To train ourselves out of the anxiety the same way we're trained into the anxiety. To train ourselves out of the, the concern and the stress the same way as the world tries to train us into it. And the way to do that is get our eyes off ourselves, get our eyes off all the social media, get our eyes off everything that's pushing worry at us, and instead think about these things. Because that's where the peace is. You see, this isn't just an ordinary peace I'm talking about. Ordinary peace doesn't do. Ordinary peace only happens when you've solved everything. That's why it's so rare and so unusual and it's so infrequent in our lives. That's ordinary peace. What I'm talking about and what God's giving us, he's saying, put your cares on me and I am going to empower you to have supernatural peace. And the way I'm going to empower you to have supernatural peace is that as you are intentional about directing your thoughts to all these good things, these pure things, these wonderful things, these, these valuable things, the Holy Spirit is going to give you the greatest peace 
that you've had enough. Stuff outside may never have changed. It might just be as upsetting as ever been. But you will be able to approach it with peace. You will be able to think clearly. You will be able to hear my voice. You will be able to step into that place of peace, that standing in grace, that place of faith where I will be your deliverer. I will be your saviour. I will be your healer. I will be your provider. And that's what he offers. That's what he promises. There is no natural way to not worry. But God offers us a different life, a new life, new creation life, whose characteristic is not worry, but supernatural peace, supernatural provision, supernatural life, supernatural healing, supernatural joy, supernatural love. We are not ordinary people who are bound and stuck with worry. We are liberated from it. We are supernatural people. And God's calling us up to a higher plane of supernatural living, hallmarked by supernatural peace. Now some of you might never have heard of that before. You might not even know this Jesus that I'm talking about. But I have to tell you that, that, that when I chose to follow him, this is the life I start to experience. And it's only when I start walking in my flesh that I get off it. But this is, this is the life that we experience as we walk with Christ. Because when we give our lives to Christ, he promises us something. When we make him our Lord, he promises to change us to change us inside, to give us new desires and new life. And if you've never, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to pray with you now. Father, just repeat this after me. Father, I thank you that your son died for me. I ask you to forgive me of all the stuff that I've messed up my life. I ask you to forgive me that I've gone this far in life leaving you out of it. And I choose now to make you Lord of my life. I ask you to come to save me and forgive me. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit as you give me new life, new birth, new desires. And I ask you right now, Lord, fill me with your peace, that supernatural peace. Amen. So if you prayed that this morning, we want to hear from you. Uh, email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk office at faithlifechurch.org UK, or you can message us on, on Facebook, just on the page you're at now watching it, messages. The testimonies are coming in, uh, you know, several people have, have sent in testimonies over the last few weeks, uh, God answering their prayers, uh, recommitment, salvations, new believers, and so if you, if you uh, uh, 
said that prayer this morning for the first time or you just made a recommitment to Christ, we want to hear from you. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, so I just have to, I just had to come up and just say just a little bit at the end of Mark's speech. This passage is one of my favourites. It's something that I stand on. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. And, and I speak those words um, to myself uh, as a promise from God because we know that the world has so much going in it, on it at the moment, so much going on. And these are concerning things and we do get anxious. I get anxious. And I have to keep going back to what God says not listening to the world, not listening to the enemy, not even listening to myself, and to meditate. And this isn't something that we can just, oh, I've done that now, I'll just move on. In these times, these are things that we need to know and have in our heart so that we are constantly practicing them and living from that place. And when we feel that we're just veering off a little bit, these verses pull us back on. That's why it's so important to know the word and know where we can go to find these uh, instructions from our Father to be able to live in this world. Um, he created us, he put us on this planet. We were never supposed to live with all of this stuff going on around that pulls us into anxiety. That was never his heart, so he has provided a way for us to keep going in difficult circumstances and um, I just want to end with rereading uh, Philippians 4 verse 8 and 9 and as you go into this week um, I would really recommend re-listen to Mark's speech there is a lot in there look at the verses get this deep down in your heart because it isn't just hearing it once and then thinking Oh, well, that's it. You know, that'll work for me. No, these are things that we need to hear, but then get down in our hearts so that that is who we are and what we walk from. They're not overnight fixes. Nothing in the kingdom, apart from giving your heart for, to Jesus, which is an immediate thing, um, and he comes in and he comes and lives inside us. Um, but most of our walk with Jesus, we have to put some time in. We have to put some effort in, and these things don't happen overnight. And um, so I just want to reread from verse 8. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, we have to know what his word says, whatever is pure and wholesome, Whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable, admir admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually, that's all the time, on these things. Centre them on your mind. Implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is Paul 
this morning and we don't relive them, we don't practice doing this, then it won't work. And then, you know, we often get people saying, oh, I'm just really anxious, but have you practiced these things? Well, no, I haven't had time. Then they won't work. And at this time, we need to practice these things. We need to have these centered in our lives, centered in our hearts, to be able to get away from the things that are all out there that are causing anxiety. So practice these things in daily life. That's every day, not just on a Sunday, every day. And I'm speaking to myself here because I know that this is a, something that I have to contend with every day. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. So that's the promise to us, if, and there is an if, and I know that if, because I know what happens when I don't do the if bit. If we will practice these things, then the God who is the source, who has everything that we need of peace and well-being, will be with us. So we need that peace at this time. We need that feeling of well-being as we continue in this life. The world, the enemies, other people, our own voices, is constantly trying us to get us out of that peace, out of that feeling of well-being. But there is a way that we can remain in peace, even when all of this stuff is going on, even when we haven't yet got the answer manifested. And sometimes, as Mark preached uh, a while ago, there is a gap. What do you do in that gap? You keep doing this daily, you meditate, you, you don't move away from what this word is saying. You hang in there until you get through to the other side. Don't not hang in there because that can stop the manifestation of what you're needing to receive. And then you're stuck in that stuff. Hang in there, do these things, do the things that Mark's just spoken to us. I'm going to go and re-listen to what has just been spoken. I'm going to re-look re at all of these verses. Holy Spirit, get this strongly down in my heart because in this season and beyond, we really need this. This is a now word and this is how we do it so that we can have that well-being from God in our hearts. And that is our hearts for you guys. That's our hearts for ourselves, our family, and, and for you. We want this to get deep into your heart because we love you and we know that God has everything that you need for today and beyond. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for, for leading us with your word so that we know how to be able to walk through, how to be able to receive from you, how to be able to help ourselves and help others. Let us be people of faith. Let us be um, uh, Jesus people that go from this place and out and carry you and your answers and your provision that you are the source and take you into the world and to whoever we need. Holy Spirit, anoint us to be able to do this. Let's get hold of that word. Let it fill our hearts and our minds and our souls. Let us live from this place today and for the rest of our time on this earth. And I speak that over myself and I speak it over you guys. The blessing of the
the Lord be on you. May his face shine on him. May his word fill your heart. May the Holy Spirit explode that word in your heart and um, give you all you need today and beyond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So uh, it's been such a pleasure to be with you guys this morning and uh, we just join our hearts with yours. Uh, we, we've seen some of you, we're missing a lot of you and I know as the weeks go forward we'll try and meet up with more of you uh, as we can uh, slowly come out of this lockdown period. Stay connected with each other, come on all the things that we are doing. Um, we love you. Uh, we miss you, and but our hearts are for you. And uh, we've now got a piece of music which Jules is with us. Thank you, Jules. Um, is going to bring to us. So uh, until next week, um, love you lots.